Hail Dictinus! Grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. Thou shalt not submit thy god to market forces. Welcome to Deep Dive 9, the 233rd episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of Terry Pratchett. Our opening and closing music is credited as Frostwalt's Alternate by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com and licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0. You may call me Ode. Mary Meet, my name is Gwyn. I'm Ode's mother. We are Jacksonless. No, my Jackson. God, today. We've done that many deep yes, dives? Yes, yes, we have. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> I just like them. I will, no. <laughs> Really? I just like talking about various deities. I, I would never have guessed that about you. <laughs> it's fun to me. <laughs> but we got to start with housekeeping. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. So this past Saturday, mm-hmm. the June 10th, I uh, had the great privilege and pleasure of being at the MEC Pagan Picnic in Rochester Hills. Tell people what the MEC is. Magical Education Council. There we go. They're the Detroit... Uh, organization that sponsors convocation and the annual pagan picnic but it was a lot of fun i think there were somewhere between 40 to 50 people there lots of people brought food and stuff and uh, there were children's there was a children's class and an adult class which was very good what was it about um it was actually on manifestation and Ooh. it was taught by a quill denison and it was very good then I got to lead a ritual, I think, as I spoke about before, mm-hmm. and it was on celebrating the sun, and that was a great experience, even though I left my notes at home. She left them at home. I did. I did. So I just went with the vibe, and it worked. It worked really well, and I, and people seemed to enjoy it and get, you know, get something out of it. Mm-hmm. So follow your vibes, people. Yep. Follow your vibes. <laughs> the ritual is not destroyed just because you forgot all of the notes you prepared. That's right. I brought my stuff, so, and we had a beautiful space. And to do it with the trees, and the trees gave their permission. It was very beautiful, and it was it was nice. I enjoyed it. Excellent. It was just a really good experience. I'm glad I was able to take part. And then? Oh, yes, because we want to uh, give positive information, mm-hmm. uh, for our, especially for our LGBTQ plus transgender community. Mm-hmm. When we went to the Pride, Pride event, uh, couple, what, two weeks ago Two weeks now? ago now, yeah. Uh, in Kalamazoo, we came upon a group called Camp for All, and they are a Michigan, Ohio-based organization mm-hmm. that provides an LGBTQ plus affirming and inclusive camp experience for campers ages 10 to 18 of any gender. And they have camps in Twin Lake, Michigan, Bellefontaine, Ohio, Hastings, Michigan, and Traverse City, Michigan. And they include Things like water activities and archery, high adventure, whatever that means. (laughs) Uh, Of course, swimming and creativity and and crafting type things. Camp stuff. Yeah, camp stuff. And they have speakers and workshops Mm -hmm. with uh, people in the LGBTQ plus community Mm -hmm. who are leaders. With an inclusive focus. Yeah, exactly. The writing is too tiny. (laughs) So... You can say where people can find out more info. Yes, more information can be found at www.experientialinc.org, which is E-X-P-E-R-I-E-N-T-I-A-L-I-N-K.org. And I will link that yeah. in the, the description. But we got to meet one of the uh, people who is involved mm-hmm. with that organization. Who's manning the booth. Manning the booth. Very passionate about the what this allows for young people who are in the LGBTQ plus community mm-hmm. 
to have an experience that is just fun and inclusive and they can go enjoy a camping experience without having to worry about what what their peer group yeah, is going about their, to be like. Exactly. And they don't have to hide or be anything but themselves. Mm-hmm. And they'll be surrounded by leaders and teachers and, and guides who are also part of the community. So. Mm-hmm. Which is really important. It's really important for young queer kids to Mm -hmm. have access to queer adults. Exactly. Um, And that can be hard to arrange, Mm -hmm. (laughs) especially in the current climate. But it's really important to to have those mentorship opportunities. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So if you have a chance, go check it out. I, we just were really impressed. Yeah, it seemed really cool. Mm-hmm. And I know we have a bunch of listeners in the Michigan, Ohio area and a bunch of listeners who have kids. So That's right. So check it out. Camp for all. And it's camp the number, number four, four all. all. <laughs> so is that for housekeeping? Yes. Okay. I think so for now. Yeah, I don't think we have anything else coming up imminently. And then we are house kept and... House swept. Hooray! Hooray! <laughs> So we're going to be talking about various... Shocker, I know that you are all shocked that we are doing a deep dive. And it's the ninth one that we've done. Stop. (laughs) Leave me alone. (laughs) I'm just teasing. It's it's actually really great because I learned about deities I hadn't even really known about before because I'm like, okay, who can I choose? You know, because I I have a a group that I work with, Mm -hmm. but I don't want to, they're, they're pretty well known. Right. And I've probably done them all at some point, (laughs) talked about all of them. So I'm like, I have to learn about some new ones. Uh Uh-huh. Right? So it's a really good thing, but sometimes it's a little challenging. It is. It's, it's. One of my favorite things is starting from uh, like a blank slate of having no idea who I want to talk about and just like picking a random pantheon and going through the list. <laughs> just just a, just the mm-hmm. just a pantheon I know nothing about ideally. Like today, mm-hmm. my focus was on the Slavic pantheon. There you go. Who is your first day? And you always make me go I first. I do. <laughs> always. Every damn time it's your idea. But I have to go first. How is that fair? I control the podcast, so you have to do what I say. There you, oh, there you have it. There you have it. The truth is the truth now comes known. Out. The truth comes oh, out. Oh, it is a control freak. <laughs> oh, as if that was That's a surprise. I was kind of shocked by that. That's a shocker. But no, I don't mind going first. Actually, I just like I just like to tease my child. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. So this was actually interesting because. I had not heard of this deity before, Mm. but I found out about her by picking up Modern Witchcraft with the Greek Gods, written by Estrella Taylor and Jason Mankey, going, I wonder if there's anybody in here that I haven't talked about Mm -hmm. who, you know, who I could introduce that maybe other people don't know about. And lo. And lo, I literally, it's like bibliomancy. You opened the book straight to someone you didn't know. I did. I totally (laughs) did. I was shocked. So I opened the book and I found Iris. Mm. Iris is the Greek goddess of rainbows and communication. She was a messenger of the gods. In fact, she was the original messenger of the gods before Hermes became more popular. Mm -hmm. Also, rainbows, super uh, appropriate for Pride Month. Exactly. (laughs) I thought, you know, after I... It was was ordained. It was ordained. After I read about her and I realized it's June and Mm -hmm. it's Pride Month, and I'm like, oh my God, this is like perfect. So anyway, she's very interesting. I was very excited to learn about her. Um, because she works with Hera ah. almost exclusively now, 
But when she originally was understood and uh, part of the Greek mythology, and mm-hmm. she basically was the original messenger for for the gods. She mm-hmm. was, and she was always pictured with either Zeus or Hera. But while she doesn't have mythology of her own, mm-hmm. and there are no actual statues of her, she's in like vase reliefs and vases with the okay. other deities. She is shown as a young maiden or a young woman with golden wings and the rod of that, you know, messengers carry. Mm-hmm. I think she even had winged shoes in some. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she, her name, Iris, means rainbow. Ooh. But it also is the, um, it's the, the root word for messenger. So it also means, it means rainbow and it means messenger. Interesting. Which I thought was interesting. And it wasn't until, like... I believe it's the Iliad where they talk about her, the various things that she did within that story. She's If there's a message being sent by Zeus mm-hmm. or Hera, it's going to be Iris who's, who's doing it. It wasn't until the Odyssey when Hermes... Uh, flipped. Fl- it, when it flipped and Hermes became the, the main messenger of the, of the gods and Iris almost exclusively became the devoted Hera. servant of Hera. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I thought it was very interesting. Again, she has she is a winged goddess. She obviously is thought to either be a rainbow, a personification of the mm-hmm. rainbow, or travel on a rainbow. Okay. Uh, to she can because she is a rainbow, she can travel through all different parts of the you know the realms. She can go below. She can go above. I bet she travels at the speed of light. Cause, exactly. Because rainbows. Rainbows. <laughs> exactly. But this is interesting. Her parents are said to be Thaumas, a god of the sea, and Electra, who is considered a sky cloud deity. Hmm. That's see. interesting, though, because if her parents are the sea and uh, like a cloud or the sky, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then that suggests the Greeks did sort of understand that the rainbow was caused by yes. the light refracting through the water droplets. Well, in fact, on the seacoast, um, they often saw rainbows going from the sky, from the clouds mm. to the ocean or that to the sense. sea. Yeah. And so they often thought that she was reseeding the clouds after a storm with water from the sea because of the rainbow that was there. She is said to have played an important part in the Eleusian Mysteries and hmm. that she was facilitating communication between Zeus and Demeter when Demeter was basically cursing L- the world yeah. and losing her shit. She was the, the messenger sent to Demeter by Zeus asking her to lift the curse. It is also Iris who brought Zeus a golden pitcher filled with the water from the river Styx. Whenever he wanted to test someone he thought was lying. Hmm. She assisted Leto in giving birth to Apollo and Artemis. And some of the other myths, she was also responsible for telling Menelaus that Helen had been kidnapped. The and, fact that he didn't notice on his own. <laughs> yes, right. Let's see. There's also, after Saix drowned in a shipwreck, Hera sent Iris to tell Hypnos to inform his wife uh, through a dream that her husband so, was dead. So in general, she just shows up a lot to yeah. to tell people important things. Exactly. And she is said or and or believed to be married to Zephyrus, the, the West Oh, yeah, wind. I was going to say, that's one of the winds. Mm-hmm. And the mother of Pothos. And uh, so she's just, she's really, really interesting. And even though she doesn't have her own mythology, she shows up a lot. 
Is the flower named for her, or is that a a coincidence? I think that's a coincidence because okay. I haven't seen anything in the in the in the books, literature in the literature that I looked up. I haven't seen anything about the flower, but it is rainbow. So anything that anytime you want to work mm-hmm. with Iris, uh, because her name means rainbow, right? You would bring rainbows. You in. would bring rainbows in. Um, she's wonderful to to work with for LGBTQ plus types of work and magic. Obviously, working with Hera, you know, and basically she was considered uh, for the longest time. She was the one who would communicate from the gods to man and man to gods, you know, or hmm. humanity to the gods. So she would so take their divination and prophecy and yeah. prayer and that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm, exactly. She is, she was an intercessor. She was an intercessor, exactly. And because um, of her because of her lineage with her parents, because of the rainbow, it is said she could travel the different realms. She could go all the way down to the underworld. She could go to the depths of the ocean. She could go up into the sky. Mm-hmm. She could go anywhere she wanted to to deliver whatever messages were necessary. Rhiannon Gray says... We don't have any surviving stories of why irises are called iris, but I remember something about them being planted over graves to draw the goddess's eye to guide the dead. Might be misremembering, though. Interesting. I um, I don't know off the top of my head what region iris the flower is native to. Anyway. And anything else about iris? Other than that, she's really cool, and she likes rainbows, and she's a very good communicator. No. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, there's actually, you know, because there isn't a lot of mythology about her specifically, I tend to forget about her or not mm-hmm. know about her because I didn't know about her until mm-hmm. I opened this book. And so I, I think it would be interesting to do more research into her stories, find out how she works with Hera since I actually, you know, work yes. with Hera. Yes. So but, maybe Iris is the, the messenger you should be communicating with. Mm-hmm. And maybe I need to get a few rainbows in our house for multiple reasons. Mm-hmm. Oh, and this one other thing. Her name still exists in the world because iridescence is... Uh, oh, same root. ...built from the root of her name. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. So as I mentioned, I went with Slavic pantheons this week. And the very first god I decided to look at, uh, I looked at for Tolkien reasons. Um, because, oh, yeah, I found, Tolkien. because I found... Because I found... Radogast on oh uh, exactly yeah. I found Radogast on a list of Slavic deities and I was like oh like Radagast the Brown from yes, Lord of the Rings from Lord of the Rings um so I looked into that connection a little bit and it's a little unclear whether that was actually the connection uh, Tolkien was drawing there are a few other similar names that he could have been drawing from but this led me down a rabbit hole because. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> because so Radagast maybe doesn't exist as a as a distinct deity. So like what? Yeah. So <laughs> so Radagast means welcome guest or takes care of guests, something like that. Something yeah. about hospitality. Okay, that makes sense. But the only times Radagast is mentioned, and this is going to be the case for a lot of Slavic deities. There are there are no extant writings from Slavic pagans that I'm aware of. There are only writings from Christian missionaries in Slavic areas who were not very interested in the spiritual lives of Slavic pagans, so they didn't write a whole lot about it. Which is too bad. Yeah, most of what we have from the missionary records is like, if you were worshiping so-and-so, here's the penalty. 
Um, so like we, yeah, so like we know they were worshiping so and so, but we don't know how or what was happening or what the Slavs thought about them. Okay. So okay. But so so Radagast is only mentioned in a couple of places and only around a specific city called Rethra. Hmm. Medieval scholars of Slavic paganism thought that Radagast was the chief deity of Rethra. Maybe was like the local patron god. Okay. Or like was there, like there is a, a thing that happens in a lot of cultures that is probably best known from Greek cultures where cities would have facets of one of the big gods who was like their specific version of that god. Okay. Um, so they thought like maybe Radagast was something like that for Rethra. Modern scholarship has suggested that actually Radagast was maybe a mistake. Let, well, like they somebody found something and made a like what, said the wrong thing. What or? they think is that the monks, the missionaries, mm-hmm. were misunderstanding the language of the local oh. Slavs and thought that Radogast was a god, but it was actually like another word for the city or oh. something like that. Okay, <laughs> or because it it, it has this connotation of hospitality because the root words mean like welcome and guest yeah it's thought that maybe that was actually supposed to be like a a hospitality like a greeting kind of a thing that they were misunderstanding or maybe kind of like the concept of aloha in in hawaii where exactly or that like they were the missionaries were asking what these rituals were for and they were saying like oh these are hospitality rituals but not understanding that the missionaries took these are rituals to To a radogast a deity so Interesting. Um, yeah, so like there's there's question marks about whether Radagast existed, but there's a theory that it's possible Radagast is a like localized name for a different deity, mm-hmm. Svarosits or Svarovich, okay, which is the deity who is the son of Svarog, the Slavic blacksmith and sort of sun cosmic fire god. Okay, and Svarovich would be like earthly fires, um, so potentially hearth fires. Oh, okay, so and not like a big Vulcan ex- cave not, exactly. volcano. Not kind like of that, thing. but like but earthly fire, hearth fires, generative fire. Fires things. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So it's thought that it's possible Radogast was a either a local name in Rethra for Svarovich, mm-hmm. or that the locals from Rethra were trying to tell missionaries we're doing this ritual to Svarovich for hospitality, because he's a hearth god, mm-hmm. Radagast. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> so, like, Radagast... there was some confusion. Exactly, yeah. There was, it seems like there was some language barrier happening. Mm-hmm. And also the fact that, like, the... Just the missionaries didn't really care about the spiritual lives of the Slavs, so they were not interested in accurately recording it. They were just writing down whatever they thought was relevant for punishments Mm -hmm. basically or to report back to bishops Mm -hmm. so there's just not a whole lot left right again such a tragedy yeah the slavic paganism is in from a reconstructive perspective the worst state i've seen Mm. of like reliable records I think I, I looked at uh, there was I think that's true of a lot of the Eastern European yeah the for whatever deities. reason the missionaries in that area yeah had zero percent interest in like 
We got lucky in Iceland with mm-hmm. Snorri Sturluson, who was mm-hmm. interested in recording this information from like a poetic and a historical context. There doesn't seem to have been anyone interested in that in Eastern Europe. Yeah, I seem to remember a several episode mm-hmm. deep dives back. Uh, there was an, I, I don't remember which one, but there was an Eastern European deity set mm-hmm. that I... Uh, yeah, I think I think I talked at one point about uh, Kernabog and, and... Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they, like you said, it's very hard to find information mm-hmm. on them. Just Especially because, reliable information. Yeah, reliable information. Some of it they're rebuilding... Yeah. Because uh, it's so much has been lost. It, it seems like a lot of modern Slavic pagan um, spirituality is having to be revivalist. And, because and pieced there's, together. Yeah, because there's just not a lot of material to reconstruct from. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, Radogast, I, I went down an unexpected rabbit hole because I thought was I thought Radogast was like a distinct being mm-hmm. that had inspired... Radagast the Brown, mm-hmm. but it does not seem like that was necessarily the case because there's no mythology at all, really, about mm-hmm. Radagast, um, except there is <laughs> there is one completely unsubstantiated piece of local folklore in the Czech Republic where there's a story of two missionaries. It's a Christian story. There's a story of two missionaries who go up on a mountain and they find a demon prince who they identify as Radok, who is having his peoples worship him. Mm. And one of the missionaries curses him in the name of the Lord, and his cross glows, and all the evil pagan statues are shattered into a thousand pieces. Of course they are. After a bunch of them went around and hit Uh them with hammers or something. (laughs) Exactly. So that's, like, basically the only... Like, Real remotely, story. like, existing story about Radagast. All the other references are just in terms of missionaries <laughs> talking about people mentioning yeah. Radagast in the Rethra area. Uh, El says, poor Rada- Radagast is just having a nice little ritual and the missionaries show up and ruin it. Exactly. That's, yes. I, from the story I read, it doesn't even seem like they were doing anything dramatic. Like, there were no animal sacrifices or, yeah. or anything happening. No, no, like, sex orgies. They were it, having a party. It seems to have just been, like, dancing <laughs> in the woods. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gods forbid. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> dancing in the woods. Yeah. The, the story itself seems to be unsubstantiated because there's mm-hmm. no evidence anyone ever lived on that mountain. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's how legends and uh-huh, stories yeah. and mythologies grow. Um, so I wasn't able to find anything from, like, modern Slavic paganism mm-hmm. about whether about what their opinion is on Radagast mm-hmm. and whether they consider him a distinct entity mm-hmm. or, like, a local version or a different name for Svarovich mm-hmm. or what what their opinion is on that. But they, I may be, be, they may still be working that exactly, out. Exactly. That may still be a work in progress. But um, if there are any Slavic pagans listening, yeah. I would love to know. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. I, I do think it's and cool. And I have not been able to find, and I've looked, I've not been able to find a single, like, even... In a language I don't know, like even in Ukrainian mm-hmm. or, or Czech or anything, I haven't been able to find any primary sources. Mm-hmm. Essentially, mm-hmm. I've only able I've, I've only been able to find anything that's been written by missionaries. So if yeah. anyone knows of any primary sources on Slavic paganism, please let yeah. me know. My understanding, at least if I remember correctly from doing that previous episode, was that a lot of these types of, uh, especially in the Eastern European traditions, the mm-hmm. pagan deities, a lot of it is. They're piecing it together from stories passed down as yeah, it's just from it's families, word of mouth stuff, word yeah. of mouth, 
stories that were so told if anyone's, to children. Yeah, folklore. folklore. So if anyone's recorded any of that, mm-hmm. I would also love to know that. Yeah. A lot of it comes from folklore, where yeah. they don't even know what the origins were. Yeah, they it's just, just know oral, this is a oral story. storytelling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So if anyone's got a rec- got got a, a a source on Slavic oral history, I would also love to know that. Yeah, yeah. Because it's it's uh, it's sad that those things have been lost in so many cultures worldwide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it's it's kind of beautiful also that these cultures are attempting to recapture yeah, to- those stories. Yeah, kind yeah. of stitch things back stitch together. Stitch things back together as best they can. It'll never be the whole cloth, no. but it can be a beautiful new quilt. Exactly, exactly. Do you believe in the power of the sacred fire? Join us on Around Grandfather Fire, a podcast where we discuss spirituality, mythology, animism, and culture around a digital fire. We'll be talking about witchcraft, paganism, heathenry, and all the other forms of spiritual expression that you can imagine. If you love hearing about how people practice their faith, how they use it to connect with others and to make sense of the world around them, and if you like to laugh while doing it, then this is the podcast for you. You can listen to Around Grandfather Fire on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are found. Yes, we know Jim will do great. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'll make fire <laughs> in my oh, hand with a match. Someone uh, in the Discord was saying that they think make smoke is a better way to describe it for Dictinus specifically oh, yeah. because of the smoke. the assonance. That's what it is. Oh, um, so as- words. yeah, assonance is when things don't rhyme, but they have the same kind of phoneme patterns. Mm-hmm. So make smoke. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Smoke. So Make since smoke. it's a language thing, they were like, yeah, I think that's better for Dictinus, actually. I think you're right. Make smoke. All uh-huh. right. I made smoke for Dictinus. <laughs> Hail Dictinus. Who is your second deity, Gwyn? My second deity, also found in this book, Prometheus. A lot of people don't think of Prometheus, you know, a lot. Um, it's because he's a titan. He's a titan. So he was a, you know, he was an ancient pre-Olympian deity. Yeah, like a primordial. Yeah, primordial deity who was part of the, the whole war mm-hmm. between the Olympians and the Titans and things of that nature. And the Titans lost, yeah. obviously. Yeah. So um, they get short shrift. Yes, they do. But I thought this was interesting. They brought up in, in their description of Prometheus that Hermes is often thought of as a prominent trickster god in Greek mythology and in the Greek pantheon. But truly, the ultimate, the trickster. ultimate original trickster, the OG, the OG <laughs> trickster in Greek mythology uh-huh. is Prometheus. Love that man. That <laughs> is, he did us a solid. Here is the reason why. He is the god of forethought. And he is best known for stealing fire from the gods and giving it to humans because we owe that man so, so much because he he liked humans mm-hmm. he, of the gods of the various deities and titans he actually liked human beings he thought we were neat he thought we were neat <laughs> and so he wanted us to be able to survive and to thrive mm-hmm. or humans i should say he wanted right. us he wanted humanity <laughs> to thrive and survive so he tricked zeus into giving him fire so that he could give it to humans he also tricked Zeus into choosing fat and bones for burnt offerings, allowing humans to keep the meat for themselves. Mm-hmm. So that's how they were able to continue to feed themselves and not give the entire the animal, whole animal, the whole yeah. animal to Zeus. 
they could keep the meat for themselves and just give the remains to Zeus. Rannon says, Prometheus deserves better. Jude was just helping us out, and now he's got a bird eating him for no good reason. <laughs> ah, but because of that, you know, because of all the tricks that right. he, you know, the things that he was able to trick Zeus into. Mm-hmm. And what does that say about Zeus? <laughs> he's not very that, smart. <laughs> that Prometheus was always obviously very, very clever and uh-huh. able to trick him into doing things that then benefited humanity. Prometheus, Loki, and Coyote walk into a bar. <laughs> So Prometheus was, as mentioned, he was punished by Zeus for these transgressions of being kind. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was chained to a rock and had his liver eaten daily by an eagle. Yeah, it regrows every night. Yes, magically regrows back every night. However, this is where Iris comes in. I Uh knew it was somewhere. Leto took pity on Prometheus. Now, Leto was a queen somewhere, I think. She was, I think. And she was one of she was one of Zeus's paramours. <laughs> no, that's um, Lida. Oh, that's right. That's Lida. Yeah, Leto. I don't know. We'll have to look Leto mm-hmm. up. Al says Leto is the mother of Apollo and Artemis. There we go. I knew it was somewhere. But anyway, she convinced Zeus to free Prometheus. Mm-hmm. And so he sent Iris to Heracles. Ah, to have him go do it. Have him go do it. But some of the other things that Prometheus did for humanity because, Mm -hmm. you know, good guy. Uh Good guy Prometheus. He is actually credited with creating the male form Mm. of human. Mm. Um, He also warned Pandora not to accept gifts from Zeus. He tried. (laughs) And Pandora is is recognized as the first woman. Ah. And so, but... He, uh, she, she accepted that damn box, so. She didn't listen. She didn't listen. Uh, and then Prometheus also is credited with giving the humanity the gifts of agriculture and writing. Damn, man gave us everything we needed. Yeah. And so. Prometheus is like the patron god of humans. So he's also, and just obviously because of all the things that Prometheus did, Prometheus is actually known for wisdom. So if you need some guidance, you need some inspiration, anything to do with bettering things for humanity, mm-hmm. you want to go to Prometheus. That's your guy. So. Also, I feel like if you work in any kind of like discovery field, like if you work in science or mm-hmm. something, I feel like Prometheus would vibe with you. So and uh, in the it's not in every narrative that Leto and her children mm-hmm. pleaded on behalf of Prometheus to Zeus, but the, one of the myths, and that's where Iris comes in. So, gotcha. So yeah, there's a connection. So yes. do we know what happens to Prometheus after he gets released? No, but presumably he. I mean, he continued to warn people and to guide people and to. They didn't necessarily always listen. But. Right. Big time chillin', says Rihanna Gray. Yeah, admittedly, he deserves a break. Exactly. Just just let him relax. Mm-hmm. He already gave us so many things he cr- did. critical to the function of human society. He really did. So if there's any deity in the Greek pantheon that really honestly cares about humanity, yeah. it's it got to be Prometheus. It's got to be Prometheus. Absolutely. For, like, no reward either. Mm-hmm. Punishment, in Punishment. fact. Well, that's because he, you know, he liked to trick Zeus. Yeah, well, that's because <laughs> Zeus was hoarding all the good shit. Well, you know, after the war, Prometheus, you know, he saw which which side uh-huh. his bread was buttered on. So he knew who he had to go through uh-huh. to get things done. Yeah. So <laughs> he just uh-huh. had to be sneaky about uh-huh. it. I like Prometheus. I do, too. I really do. I think Prometheus is pretty damn cool. Also got kind of a vibe with uh, Lucifer. A little bit. 
a little bit of a rebel energy. Yeah, yeah. And, and of course, with Loki, with the mm-hmm. whole tricking, mm-hmm. the trickster thing going yeah. on. I like so. it. So, yeah, Hermes gets all the credit for being a trickster, but nah. 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 Go was... with the OG. Okay. Go head, with Prometheus. Head straight to Prometheus. <laughs> head straight to Prometheus. Yep. Honestly, I feel like you could go to Prometheus if you have any kind of, like, pressing need. Like, mm-hmm. if there's just, like, a thing you desperately need... To accomplish, I feel like Prometheus is there for that. And also, I think Prometheus would be a good deity to go to if you are going through a very, very difficult, one right. might say... Like an ordeal. Ordeal that doesn't seem to be coming to an end, mm-hmm. and you're you're feeling very trapped. And tortured. And tortured. Uh, Prometheus would definitely be one who would he understand. He can relate. <laughs> he can relate. He can understand where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. But again, he is, you know, he's a god of wisdom. So if you are looking for a solution mm-hmm. to an issue or a problem, what was his main thing? What did he do? He found solutions to, to problems. humanity's problems. Yep. And found things that he didn't... Provided just, resources. Yes. He didn't just fix it. Yep. He provided ways for people to improve their own lives. Yeah. Yeah. Prometheus is a is a very give a man a fish, he eats for a night, teach a man to fish, he eats for the rest of his life very kind of a guy. So. Very much so. Uh, Rannon says, Prometheus was and is our bro, but it's really hard to find good statuettes for him. Been looking for one I like for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've only ever seen images of Prometheus mid-eagle. Yes. They they always, that is tends to be. <laughs> I've never be, seen like Prometheus bringing fire. Yeah. That tends to be the image that everybody is stuck on. The, the, the fact that he was tortured mm-hmm. and punished. Yeah. They don't show him handing fire to man yeah they don't show the heroism they don't show the hero they don't show him warning pandora about that yeah. fucking box yeah yeah or like teaching us agriculture or and teaching, writing exactly exactly they don't show him doing those things and yeah. it would be if you're an artist yeah out there give us good guy prometheus give us good guy prometheus <laughs> it doesn't have to be all pathos all the time <laughs> no give us what let's see some art showing what prometheus did for humanity mm-hmm. besides suffer and yeah be tortured exactly for millennia exactly <laughs> you know what i wonder if the the impulse to focus on the the torture and the punishment and the suffering mm-hmm. is a a little bit of a leftover messiah impulse could be like a an impulse to look for that messianic savior figure who suffers for us mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at least from people who come from you know a christian yeah. background yeah but ultimately he got set loose so he's so. out there just chilling. he's out there just chilling just waiting <laughs> offering his uh, wisdom to uh-huh. people who who ask hey maybe he brought us the internet <laughs> hey maybe it wasn't al gore after all uh-huh. <laughs> or maybe he inspired al gore exactly who knows <laughs> All right, so one more deity. I have another Slavic deity, of course, because I was focused on that. And after I discovered the whole Radagast thing, I was like, mm, I should get another Slavic deity who's got, like, more attestation or something, yeah. maybe. Well, like I said, I cheated and found both of these in right. one book, so. Rhiannon Gray says, our Lord and Savior Prometheus, bless. Yes, bless. <laughs> bless. I think we should all light uh, a little candle <laughs> a little, yeah, light, tonight. Light, light a candle, the gift. Light the gift and say, thank you, Prometheus. In fact, we have a candle lit. Uh-huh. But it's for Dickens, but it's so for we Dickens, should light a separate So we'll one light a separate candle tonight for Prometheus uh-huh. and say, thank you for fire. Yeah. The other Slavic god I looked at was Rod. He's sometimes also called Sud in a different part of Slavic territory. Mm-hmm. But his name comes from the same Proto-Slavic root as family and origin and birth. Neat. But it also means harvest. 
Oh, well, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. So, like, a really interesting um, sort of dualism in mm-hmm. this name of, mm-hmm. like, this is the place you start and it's the place you finish. <laughs> <laughs> this is the beginning and this is the result. Uh-huh. So, it's, it's thought he originally had, like, a very extensive cult and that at a at around the 10th century, it started to wane as sort of power shifted to Perun and other sort of better known major Slavic, especially sky gods. Mm-hmm. He existed in a lot of different Slavic territories and different territories had sort of different perspectives on him. But in general, it's thought that he sort of lived in the sky and was supposed to sort of stay in the clouds mm-hmm. and ordain the fates of men. Okay. And as a result, he was closely associated with the Rosanitsi, who are um, female fate spirits. Oh, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. There are some scholars who think that, like, Rod was the representative of male ancestors and the Rosanitsi were representatives of female ancestors, but that's contested because he does seem to have been, like, a distinct deified figure. Like I said, he was possibly a chief god early in Slavic mythology, and... It's thought that he was especially associated with the agricultural period okay. in Slavic mythology. Did you already say how his name is spelled? R-O-D. It is just like yep. it sounds. Just like it sounds. Okay. R-O-D. At least in yeah. English letters. Because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's in acrylic. acrylic. So. Yeah. <laughs> so it's thought he, that he, his period of prominence was during the majority agricultural period mm-hmm. in Slavic areas because he... And the Rosanitsi were associated with what were called bloodless sacrifice. Mm. So they were only given sacrifices of bread, honey, cheese, and a ceremonial grain dish called kutia, which was, it was like a sort of a sweet grain porridge made for and eaten during ceremonial events. Right. And so the tradition was that the head of the household would act as sort of a temporary priest. Mm -hmm. And the first spoonful of kutia was thrown into what was called the holy corner, which was where the gods ate from. And then everyone else would eat the ceremonial kutia. Very cool. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting. Apparently they still do kutia in Ukraine, in some parts of Ukraine. Very interesting. Yeah. That's kind of neat that they held on to that tradition. Exactly. It seems like a lot of the... Um, folklore sort of traditions mm-hmm. from Rod's original ancient cultists mm-hmm. have persisted. Um, in fact, I love it, that. yeah, and it seems like there was a small but dedicated cultist to Rod in various Slavic countries up until the 19th century That's when it was finally cool. like crushed out of existence. Yeah, yeah. So there's a little more evidence for Rod than there are for some other Slavic deities because mm-hmm. he was so ingrained into the folklore. Mm-hmm. Um, but he sort of lost prominence as a deity, mm. um, as this sort of chief among gods figure, mm-hmm. and started to be known more as what was called a home grandfather, okay. like a like a an ancestral spirit who sort of was attached to and represented the concept of family. Was used like as an intercessor to contact ancestors. Um, he was supposed to watch over newborns, so he had. Again, that dualism mm-hmm. that he was mm-hmm. attached to both ends of sort of the cycle of life. Right. A lot of the folklore that persisted about Rod was about like sort of minor beneficial things he could do for a family in the home. Okay. So like he could help protect against illness, stuff like that. And he was sort of the representative of your connection to your past. That's very cool. Yeah. And so 
he was just really interesting. There's a lot of disparate points of view on Rod because, like I said, he was at one point very widely worshipped, sort of all across Eastern Europe. I wonder if that's why so much of his folklore, the traditions exist, you know, and survive Mm -hmm. in the folklore because he was big. That's my guess. My guess is because pre-10th century, he had such a widespread major cultist, even when it fell out of favor... And then eventually he lost sort of a deified presence mm-hmm. at all mm-hmm. and became more like a folk spirit. Right. Because it was so widespread, it was impossible to just... Wipe it out completely. Exactly. And Somebody so it, was holding on to it somewhere. Exactly. And so it seems to have... Pers- Thank goodness. It seems to have persisted in a lot, a lot of folk traditions sort that's, of all across Eastern Europe. I think that's beautiful. I think that is so cool. Elle says, Rod being one of the longest persisting deities and also representing one's connection to the past is chef's kiss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. I... I I think Rod is really interesting because he's almost like, I don't know, like I would describe him as like a god of genealogy or like a god of, like he he doesn't represent the family in a way. He almost is the family. Yeah, yeah. Like he is the deified personification of families Family. and communities. That's very cool. Yeah, he's, it's, it's really interesting. He's sort of abstract, I think, because during the time when he was a major deity, he was supposed to be sort of beyond human access Mm -hmm. like i said he was supposed to stay in the sky and ordain fates Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. there wasn't like a ton of humanified mythology about him like he didn't behave in human ways Mm -hmm. um i think the only myth i was able to find about rod that was like distinctively a myth was that he because he has this connection to the whole family line and to souls and fate they they described him gathering the the souls of the dead mm. who were becoming ancestors and he would bring them up into the into sky the with sky. him and eventually he would pick one or two out and throw them back to earth as either as clods of earth to sink back into the earth and be reborn mm-hmm. or he would like invest certain birds like night jars with their spirits mm. to, to go back to the earth yeah um and to eventually reincarnate into their families that's so cool yeah so but because he had that sort of distance from humanity and his original cultists we don't have a lot of mythology about things he did right but i think it's really interesting that as time goes on and he became less of an important figure in the mythology he also became sort of not more humanized exactly mm-hmm. but more accessible to humans right. because he became that home grandfather that sort of house spirit who lives in everyone's house mm-hmm. and is part of everyone's family and sort of connects everyone i love that i i seriously do i just yeah. think that's really cool he's a he's a really interesting figure I was fascinated by him. Mm-hmm, definitely. So once again, if there are any Slavic pagans out there, if you know anything about Rod, please let me know. He seems extremely cool and also really hard to, like, get a grasp on as someone with a pantheon that has really humanized deities. Mm-hmm. Like, all of the Norse deities, except for, like, one or two of the Jotnar, are, like, really comprehensible in mm-hmm. very, like, 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 they think in ways that you can sort of understand as a human being. And Rod doesn't seem like he's completely like that. Mm-hmm. He, he seems, seems like he's remote. like... remote. Yeah, more remote or, or more like alien. Like mm. he just thinks in a different way or has like a different... Maybe it's just that he has a different perspective on time and like being mm. than humans do. I don't know, but very interesting. Interesting. Okay. So I think that's all I have to say about Rod other than look him up. He's cool. Yeah. I, I think every... <laughs> 
all the deities we talked about tonight are cool. Uh-huh, yeah. You know? Like I said, I had no idea about Iris. I had a, you know, a, I under, I knew Prometheus. Right. You know the basic story from, of Prometheus. You know, because of the punishment. Right. You know. All, I knew Prometheus had brought fire. I didn't know all the yeah. other stuff he'd brought. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I knew about the fire and the punishment, and mm-hmm. that's about it. But mm-hmm. he did so much more than that. Yep. And, of course, Rod, yes. who is just amazing. Extremely fascinating Slavic deity. Yes, exactly. Who I hope is looking after the people of Ukraine, by the way. The yes. war in Ukraine is still going on. Yes, yes, yes. So I just I think this has been a fun episode tonight. Yeah, I like this, this one. Been a good number nine. <laughs> the ninth deep dive. The ninth deep dive, and we found some really interesting ones to talk. I think we all of them have been interesting. Uh-huh. But it's fun to me to learn about these maybe obscure, mm-hmm. uh, even in the whether it's the bigger pantheon or or you know an Eastern European pantheon that doesn't have that's, as much right. That's so hard to find it's resources. So hard to for. find resources for. It's just really cool that we can find these deities to learn more about. Mm-hmm. Right. You got me hooked, kid. You got me hooked. <laughs> there will be more deep dives. <laughs> <laughs> to nine, but no, teasing, teasing. But it is always very interesting. And I have, throughout this, these various uh, episodes, found some very interesting deities that I'd never heard about before or mm-hmm. only knew a little bit about and have uh, gained more knowledge. There, there, there will definitely be more. There will definitely be more. <laughs> And don't be surprised if we get up to like deep dive 20 someday. That's right. And don't forget, <laughs> light a candle for Prometheus. For Prometheus. Yes. And throw some grain throw into some a corner for grain Rod. Into a corner for Rod. Exactly. Put a rainbow in your window, and it can not only be for pride, but it can be for Iris. For Iris, yep. And as for Radagast, whether he exists or not, go uh, watch Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, right. Honestly, that, I'm always going to think of him now <laughs> from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> All right. Uh, so you can find us if you Google the number three and the words Pagan Send a Cat or the number three and the letters P-A-A-C. You can also find us online at the number three, pagansandacat.com, where we have links to a variety of things we do. We have a link to a Redbubble. We have a link to our Patreon. Uh, we don't have a link to Gwen's TikTok, but that's what she does now. I do a lot of TikTok. She I've does kinda, so much TikTok. I've not, I've not done any writing, but I do a lot of TikTok. <laughs> TikTok has taken over, Gwen. TikTok has taken over. Well, it's fun and they're short. That's right. <laughs> the, the fact that they're short definitely helps. I don't have to spend hours trying are, to figure out what, what I want to say. Yeah, they so. are self-contained. <laughs> That's right. And they're fun. So so what is your TikTok handle so people can find you on TikTok? Gwen 3-pack. There you go. So if you want to, to follow Gwen's uh ongoing adventures it's at gwen three pack that's right um or just google right gwen of three pigs and a cat tiktok tiktok it'll you'll find it um i don't do tiktok or pretty much anything else um we also have a facebook group and a discord channel Mm -hmm. where you can come hang out with us and please come to the discord channel and tell me stuff i didn't know about slavic deities or if i got anything wrong and do remember, if you join the Facebook group, you do need to answer the questions yes, that's if you how we, want to be that's, accepted. That's how we screen out bots. Mm-hmm. So if you don't answer the questions, it's an automatic decline. Yep, exactly. Sorry. <laughs> so please answer the questions. They're not very deep. No, they, 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 we don't need, like, it's not like an essay format. Nope. We just need you to put words in. Yep. But be honest. I mean, we, you know, but. Yeah, know. but it just, it just needs to be words that just words. seem like they relate to that the seem, question. Exactly. And you. So uh-huh. okay. we're good. But anyway, and we also, as always, want to thank all of our listeners. Mm-hmm. We love you. We appreciate the fact that you tune in, 
that you share our our episodes, that you talk about them, that you contact us about them. Mm-hmm. We love that, and we love oh. all of you. Uh, also, I guess as a reminder, we do have services also on yes. our website, mm-hmm. um, which Gwen and I have both gotten readings from recently. So mm-hmm. just as a reminder, that's there. Gwen and I both do readings, uh, tarot readings by email. Yep, so if you're exactly. interested in that, you can find information about that on our website. That's right. And, uh, and if you want to support the podcast, mm-hmm. you can support us through Patreon. There's different levels uh, of, you know, that you of, can support. Choose, of support you can choose from. And uh, we just appreciate every single one of our patrons. Mm-hmm. So You help us keep you. the lights on. You help us literally keep the lights on. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, all right. I guess that's it. Yep, that's it. And break!